Pastor Xavier Reese talks about the power and authority of a true anointing. I would rather sit under a man who has a sixth grade education and has had no church background, but is anointed and called of God. And I can learn more from that man than I can under a man who has gone to seminary, who knows Greek, who knows church history, but has not been called and anointed by God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Well, sure, a college degree may give you a title, but title alone doesn't make you an expert. Today, as Pastor Xavier continues his study in the book of Deuteronomy, he points out the traits that make a godly leader in a message title, God Leads Through Men. He begins referencing our text for today's study. Deuteronomy chapter 31 we come to a place where the people of God are ready to pass into the promised land and inherit it. And Moses must hand over his leadership to Joshua. You see, Moses has struck the rock at Kadesh rather than speaking to the rock in Numbers 20, verse 7 through 11. The children of Israel were thirsty and they became uh, complaining against God. And they said, Moses, you know, have you brought us out to this wilderness to kill us? We're thirsty. And so Moses went to God, and God says, Moses, just speak to the rock. Give him the drink. And so Moses went out there, and he says, What must I do, you rebellious people? Strike this rock and give you the drink. And he struck the rock twice. People drank. Thirst was quenched. God said, Moses, come here. What did I tell you? Don't give him the drink. Yeah, what did I tell you? So speak to the rock. What would you do? I hit the rock. Made a mistake. He misrepresented God before the people. Remember, Moses was the meekest man on the earth and one of the greatest leaders, if not the greatest leader in Israel. And yet he was to be used as an illustration of disobedience. He did not enter the promised land. He then takes us to the declaration of God's primary leadership through a man. Notice first in verse 3. God would be the one who would cross over before them. He would be the one to lead them. He would be the one to destroy those nations from before them. Yes, he would be using a man. But it would be God who would be doing the work. He would allow them to dispossess the nations. They would be the recipients of God's gift. But the tendency is to say, look what Moses has done. Look what Aaron has done. Look what Joshua has done. Instead of saying, look what God has done. Notice secondly in verse 3 still, God would use Joshua as Moses' replacement. So they were to look to Joshua now, no longer to Moses, the, the passing of the baton, if you will. He would be acting under God's leading as the Lord has said. The Lord would defeat the enemies through Joshua as he did Sihon and Og through Moses, verse 4 says. The Lord would turn the enemy over to them in order that they do them according to the commandment. What commandments? Verse 5 it says, 
All the commandments he told them, what did he tell them? When you go in the land, don't make leagues with them, don't make covenants with them, don't look at their practices, don't be inquisitive about their corruption, about their satanic rituals, nothing. Wipe them out. They were to obey completely. Did they? Were they going to? No. And they added to their hurt because they did not follow the leading of God. Notice thirdly, in verse 6, God would not abandon them. Oh, this is great. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And so they were to be strong and of good courage due to the fact that it was God, not man, who was leading them. Our confidence is not in man. Our confidence in what God is doing and on how God is leading. And how do we know that God is leading? Because God's word is becoming alive. God's word is transforming us. God opens doors. God supplies the resources. God raises up the people. God does everything. And we know that no man can do that. It is God. It brings us to the proclamation that God commissioned Joshua's leadership. Moses knows that God has told him he cannot go in. Moses also knows that God has chosen Joshua. Secondly, in verse 8, Moses reminds Joshua that it is God who will do the work through his leadership. He reminds Joshua, Joshua, you're going to be put in a place that is very, very precarious, very, very dangerous. Everybody is going to have their eyes on you when they should have their eyes on God. Be also careful you don't believe their press. God would be with him. He will be ever-present to notice your, the attitude of your heart, your thoughts, your intentions, everything as a leader. God would not leave him nor forsake him. Why? Because the people would leave and forsake him often. What a comfort to know that no matter what, if I'm following God, then I cannot miss. And so Moses reminds Joshua that it is God who will do the work through his leadership. Thirdly, in verse 14, Moses knew God commissioned Joshua. He says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, a day approaches when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourself in the tabernacle of meeting that I may inaugurate him. So Moses and Joshua went and apprehended, uh, presented themselves in the tabernacle of meeting. Notice first, God told Moses that the days of his death were near. What a tragedy that the greatest leader of Israel could not enter in because of disobedience. He would be able to see the land from Pisgah, but he could not enter in. He had lived for this. He had asked the Lord, Lord, please. He says, I don't want to hear it no more. Remember Paul kept telling the Lord, Lord, take this. My grace is sufficient. I don't want to talk about this matter anymore. Have you heard those words from God in your life? You keep complaining, murmuring about a situation, your wife, your husband. How could God allow this? How could this? How could that? And God says, shut up. I don't want to talk about this no more. My grace is sufficient. Grow up. Keep your eyes on me. Trust me. Watch me work. Moses was told by God to call Joshua and present both he and Joshua 
in the tabernacle of meeting. This was a place where God manifested himself. This is a place where he spoke to Moses. This is the place of authority. This is the epitome of leadership. And it's coming from God directly. It is so important that we understand and that we know that the man that we sit under is called and anointed by God. I had no intention to become a pastor, let alone to be a Christian. God intersected my life and totally devastated my old life. He took all the fun out of it. I can still do it, but it's no longer fun. And I would rather sit under a man who has a sixth grade education and knows no Hebrew, no Greek, and has had no church background, but is anointed and called of God. And I can learn more from that man as my pastor than I can under a man who has gone to seminary, who knows Greek, who knows Hebrew, who knows church history, who has been raised in the church, but has not been called and anointed by God. Now, if you're called and anointed and God allows you to get some of that training, the better. So I'm not downplaying education. I'm just saying don't depend on it as the mark of God's call on your life and as anointing. Moses was told by God that it was for the purpose of inaugurating Joshua as the leader of the people, and so they did. Moses is affirming. He's agreeing with God, and that's always the way, people. So often we want to argue with God. We agree with God, and if we don't agree with God, God doesn't walk with us, Amos 3.3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? The answer is obvious, no. I mean, do you, do you call Someone that can't stand you for lunch every week? You have some spare time, you don't know what you want to do with it, and you want to invest it well, so you call somebody who hates your guts? Is that what you do? No. We agree with God. Moses agreed, Joshua agreed, the people agreed. The nation set for the transition. So important. This is the proclamation that God commissioned Joshua's leadership. Now, in view of all this, the application regarding leadership is very, very important. Now, we've picked up some things here for our application, but let me give you some direct application regarding this passage. First, men are called by God and anointed for a time and a place. Men are called by God and anointed by God for a time and a place and a place. Jeremiah said, I am but a child. God says, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb, and I called you and anointed you as a prophet to the nation. God knew from the foundation of the world and called and anointed Billy Graham. It was just a matter of time before Billy Graham was born. And when God calls and anoints a man, then he picks a place in the world, and then he blesses. And everybody scratches their head. Everybody wonders. And they can't understand it. 
They say, he's not such a hot speaker. I've heard men better. But yet you see the effects. God's anointing. They are mere men, like all other men in need of salvation and guidance. Very important. But they're men who are called by God and anointed for a time and a place. They are men of like passion as all others. They have the same weaknesses. I have the same weaknesses as you. I am no stronger nor closer to God than any of you. They are affected by God's calling anointing, not by man's ordination and seminary training. You see, man educates, and man says, you're ordained. Here's a piece of paper. But if you're not anointed and called, that ordination of man means absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I've seen it time and time again as God just takes the foolish things of this world to confound the wise and to humble the mighty things by the weak things that he uses. Incredible. Anointing. Secondly, men can only lead if they are led by God. Never forget that. Men can only lead if they are led by God. God alone knows where he wants to work. Man doesn't know where God wants to work. It's a guess. It's a shot in the dark. God alone knows how he wants and will work. Who would ever think that God would use rock music through the late 60s and early 70s of the Jesus movement? That God would use dirty hippies burned out, drug, pill-popping people. God only knows, right? Now, are you saying to the people today who are these punkers and different things, oh, God, help us. God better help us. <laughs> That's right. How flexible are you? How open are you to God? God alone knows how He will provide the resources. Have you been with me for 14 years? You know I've never asked you for any money. You know that I've never pressured you. I never had a cookie, seal, a car wash, or anything else. We just teach the Word of God and give you an opportunity and a privilege to give as God leads at the beginning of the service, and that's it. Just the way it is. I love the way God runs this church. God alone knows the troubles ahead. Oh, if I would have known all the troubles that this building had caused us before he gave it to us, I would have never said yes. But that's why he doesn't tell me everything up front. <laughs> he only tells me something a day at a time. And sometimes not even the day at a time, but right when it happens. Yeah. And the same with your life. If he told you what was going to happen next week, some of you would, would be gone to the other end of the world. You'd be like Jonah. I'm boogieing. <laughs> I'm gone. I'm out of here. God alone knows the outcome. You may be in a situation so troublesome and so devastating right now, and you say, that's it, it's over with. But hang on, you're just in a bad chapter. The book isn't over. Wait till the next chapter. You'll blow your mind. God is at work. God alone knows how to protect the servant. 
God alone encourages and strengthens a man to stand in the most difficult times of his life. Difficult. God is the only one. And some things you and I will face all alone and nobody will be there. And if we will trust and obey God's leading and follow it, boy, we will be equipped to give something to people when they go through trials and tribulations. God alone never fails. The best of men all, all fail. I will fail you. You will fail me. Your wife will fail you. Your husband will fail you. Your children will fail you. Your friends will fail you. Everybody will fail you at one time or another. And you will fail others. Thirdly, men of God and places at times stand for biblical typologies in the scripture. And it's interesting here at this passage because the man Moses represents the law which could never make a man perfect nor enable him to enter the promised land because we fail. None of us can obey the law perfectly. The standard is perfection. The human race is imperfect. The law accuses man and makes him guilty before God, Paul tells the Romans. Now, the Jordan River represents the life of faith. They would have to step into the Jordan in order to see it part at flood season. What a contrast to the Red Sea, which they saw and it parted, then they walked. A different level of walk now, the walk of faith, trusting and depending completely upon God. The promised land is not a type of heaven, as our old choruses and hymns say. For there will not be any giants in heaven, there will not be any walled cities in heaven, but it will be a complete dependency and trust upon God in the promised land. That's the life of faith. We don't know everything, but we know He does. We, we don't know where to go because we've never been down this way. This is my first time around life, but He's been here before. So I'm wise to follow His lead. The man Joshua represents the type of Christ. His name means Jehovah's salvation, the contraction of Jehovah's Shua in the Hebrew. His name, translated to the Greek, is Jesus. Jesus and his leading alone can guide me into the life of faith as well as in victory. And it's through obedience to his word. No other way. Obedience to his word. Jesus alone will lead me always to be conformed to his image, confirmed by and through his word, never apart or in addition to his word. So I have his revelation. I can make judgment. Don't take the philosophy of today, a bunch of jellyfish who say, oh, well, I don't want to judge. Oh, no, you have a responsibility to judge. Now, don't mistake in judging something right and wrong from being a total critic on everything all the time. When someone's living in adultery and they say, is that wrong? You say, darn right, it's wrong. That's not making a judgment. That's telling truth. If you say, well, I don't know, then you're a liar. That's important. His leadership will make us courageous in him, not in ourselves. As we follow his lead and we see how good he is and how efficient he is, boy, we will be confident in him, in him alone. 
No one else. His leadership is not for our evil, but for our good. For he has an expected end for us. See, sometimes Christians think that God has nothing but bad things for them. Oh, no, no. Like I say, you're in a bad chapter. Just wait. You may even have two or three bad chapters, but wait, the book's not over. And thank God we can't go to the last chapter and read it. We'd ruin the whole story and all the lessons. This is the application regarding leadership. So simple, so basic. Donald T. Phillips, in his book, Lincoln on Leadership, says the following, that there have been many leaders in our nation that have been considered to be great leaders, and I would add, particularly, some of the founding fathers. Yet there is one who rises above them all, he says, one who is consistently ranked as the greatest president. One who is viewed as the greatest leader this nation has ever known or will ever know. And one who, although dead for more than 125 years, still inspires and moves people from all walks of life, from all around the globe. That person is Abraham Lincoln. In a little article, Lincoln's, Lincoln proclaims National Fast Day. It says this. Abraham Lincoln wrote an address to a nation during the Civil War that was at least as important as the Gettysburg Address. It was his proclamation for a nation's fast, the fast day, by which he did designate and set apart Thursday, the 30th day of April of 1863, as a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. Lincoln wrote, quote, It is the duty of a nation's, as well as of men, to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. The awful calamity of civil war which now desolates the land may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Abraham Lincoln was a great leader because he was being led by God. Study his memoirs. Read his biographies. Read of the accounts of his life. He talk about tragedies, difficulties, heartaches, and I believe that Abraham Lincoln was as much like Jeremiah, separated from his mother's womb, anointed and called for the nation for such a time as a civil war. Mm. Our passage has provided for us these three things regarding the transfer of leadership from Moses to Joshua. The explanation for the transfer of Moses' leadership 
Moses' time was over. The declaration of God's primary leadership through a man, because he's only a vessel. The proclamation that God commissioned Joshua's leadership by equipping and enabling him. Man, may God give us the wisdom to follow God's lead and the leaders that he anoints and calls. Pastor Xavier Reese with the three things necessary for God's true anointing. And you can request a copy of today's important lesson called God Leads Through Men. As always, it's available on CD for just $4. And this message also contains what Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together. So the title to ask for once again is God Leads Through Men. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, don't forget to mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. Well, what are the benefits of a new life in Christ? Find out when you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 